welcome to episode 14 of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Zena, girl, how you feeling? I'm good. I'm just annoyed. <laughs> Tell me why you're annoyed as usual. It's, I mean, we spoke about this before, but it's so hard to find modest dresses, like formal modest dresses that you wear to like a close relative's wedding. And like, I have to go to like the seamstress and like deal with fabrics. And it's like, it's, it's There's so like annoying. a two-part thing with yeah. finding dresses as a Muslim girl because you find the dress that you're like, okay, I think it's cute. But then you kind of look at like, damn, the back is missing. The arms are missing. There's a slit. I don't understand why there's slits in dresses. Like, yeah, there's just so and it's like on. sometimes you find nice dresses and it has like a halter top. And it's like, there's no way you can add sleeves to an halter top. Like, there's I no hate halter tops. I do too. But like sometimes the dresses are cute or like you just can't fix it no matter how much work you put into it or even if you can fix it it looks so patchy and it's like when do we ever win when do we ever win by not going to all these weddings and events and just sending like a you know a congratulations card <laughs> it I doesn't always work like that though i can't find a dress i know i think i'm I've gotten to the point where, like, it's very hard for me to, like, go to every wedding and every event. Yeah. But then you feel kind of obligated because it's, like, more so really, really close family. Like, you have to go. Yeah, and I want to go. You know what I mean? I want to see, like, family and stuff. But just, I wish we could all go in, like, jeans and sneakers. <laughs> Thank you. It depends on where you have the wedding, too. People are having, like, freaking ballrooms and stuff like yeah. that. So it's, like, you got to look the part. You yeah. can't be showing up, like, in a skirt and a shirt. Right. And it's, like, also your body type. You don't even know what dress really fits you or makes you like flatters you I yeah, guess yeah. that's flattering like I still don't know I know to stay away from mermaid dresses because they make you look really wide at the hips and shorter than you already are like that's something yeah on sure. my sister's wedding I can't watch her tape because I hate myself in it really so well for the most part because I don't know about you guys but us Arab like I don't know why it's like embedded in us too because if you're the sister of the bride or whatnot you should be really flashy and stuff it's like no that takes <laughs> away from the bride when I look at them I'm like what was I thinking wearing that Giovanni dress with 10,000 diamonds on it? I, I really like that's the tackiest thing. I really want to see pictures of that. Tackiest thing I've ever okay, done in my life. We are posting pictures of that tomorrow. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> but then it's like now I'm more like, give me a black dress that's very subtle and yeah. wool. It's so classy. classy. Yeah, it's so classy. classy. It's so different. But it's I mean, it's hard. Like it's just so difficult. It's, uh, it's crazy that we have to even go through this. It is. Um, I'm finally back at the gym. I know I've been saying that you guys since the start of the podcast. Yeah. But I'm back. That's and it's awesome. It feels good. Like well, even like the first time you go, it feels good. I don't go to a serious gym. I go to Planet Fitness. I, when I say not serious gym, because I think there's a difference between the weights at Planet Fitness and the weights at like Lifetime. I can like like press 190 or 100, 210 pounds. I go to Lifetime. No, I can't even really? do 60. I think there's like a difference in the weights. I'm being serious, you guys. Like, because when I tell people, oh, I like press 210, they're like, what the heck? It's like double your weight. I'm like, I swear to God. And I take a video <laughs> and then it's like, I realize like maybe Planet Fitness isn't very accurate with their weights. <sighs> so weird. I don't know. And then I start tanning because your girl's going to Miami for the first time. Yeah. So you're going to love Miami. I'm kind of talking about it, it as if I already booked the tickets. I don't know why I haven't found the time to actually book the tickets and I'm so nervous. Book soon. I'm going to go to south beach inshallah and yes. you you're going so many places in july yeah well like you want to visit families usually yeah inshallah, i'm going to a wedding happens. in michigan and then i yeah. want to go back home if i get a chance to take off work like it's 
want to see my family. It's, it's just so hard. It's this guilt trip that we have. We like are scared to take off of work, but you ca- you have to do oh, it. Yeah, you have to. It's the summer because honestly, this is the only time we can get our vitamin D on and go and enjoy yourselves and whatnot. But me and my sisters, like every year we started taking like one trip a year. It's our annual sister's trip. And That's I love cute. it. Well, I love it because it's like, I don't know. We're like now grow like really growing up with different lives. Like my sister has a baby and then my other sister's like about to finish school inshallah. Then it's like here I'm doing the podcast. So it's like this is our one time out of the year yeah. where we really like we're stuck with each other three to four days and we enjoy it. Yeah, because everyone's doing their own thing now. It's like you guys don't all live together anymore and it's how do you feel, Zaina? Because I think look, you're the only girl in your family. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Like, do you I know you're really close to your mom. I am your very, mom is very amazing. close to my mom, but I'm also very close to my brothers too. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really close to my brother. So like just moving to Chicago was a struggle in itself. But you know, you get used to like, you know, that distance and you find new ways of like connecting. I, I do want to talk about that for, for one episode, I think, because a lot of girls do get married and it's just such a struggle because you end up having to go to a whole different state. Yeah. Like I'm a, like, I don't want to say I'm such a baby, but I'm very close to my family. It'd be so hard. For yeah, me it, it is. But, but you like, say you kind of get used to it. I mean, I don't want to. It's hard because like there'll be events like my mom's at a wedding right now in New York. And I'm like, I want to be there. But like, you know, it just it's hard. But I don't know, I guess. You get used to everything and you, yeah, exactly. You learn and you, like I said, you find new ways of connecting. Like before I moved, I was never FaceTiming my mom. You know what I mean? Because like she'd be in the next room, but like you FaceTime and you know. It's nice. Look, you really don't miss everything because you do kind of go there when there's like important events and whatnot. So we have a new segment for us. It's called our unfiltered advice because, you know, Zane and I, we have our lives together. We know what we're doing. We are professionals. We're not a hot mess. Like we have everything under control. So please do not quote our advice that we give you. This is like our personal opinion. This is like unsolicited advice. Yes, that's exactly it. What's our first? So this is the first question and it is a loaded question. And it's the perfect one to kick things off. So here it is. Hi, ladies. I'm in desperate need of some help. A good friend of mine of three years just told me she was getting engaged to a guy she's been talking to. She sounds head over heels for this man. The thing is, I know him pretty well. And by that, I mean we previously had a relationship. It was years prior before I even knew my friend. This guy was awful to me, and I'm afraid he'll treat my friend the same way. I am torn on how to handle this. I could tell my friend, but I risked the possibility of just her, of just having her think I was jealous. I understand people change, but what if he didn't? Do I step in and say something, or do I keep quiet, not to jeopardize the friendship we have? Please help. Signed, Frantic Friend. Okay, you are not lying about that being loaded. a loaded question. Because I think everybody has their own way of dealing with things and handling things. And it's very sensitive when it's your best friend and you don't want to affect that relationship. Because even when one of you guys gets married or both of you guys get gets married... The truth of the matter is your relationship does change a little bit, slightly. Like maybe you get to see them less. It's not the same thing. Now you have another person that you are also considered your best friend, which is the person you get married to. So it does, the dynamic does change in a way, but you kind of want to avoid it from completely changing. Personally, I would be honest. You know, okay, here's the thing. She said she was afraid of the friend thinking she was jealous. The truth of the matter is jealousy is very prevalent in our community. Especially when it comes to like relationships and the fact that it didn't work with her, you know, this guy and her didn't work out. She, her friend could say like, oh, you just jealous. It didn't work out. You know what I mean? And and it worked out with us. And so it's, it's just very hard to answer this. Like, 
I don't know specifically what I would do. It depends. Like you want to be open and honest with your friend. It depends on your relationship with your friend. Like how how authentic and how true is it? Because I feel like with my friends, I feel like I can be really open. And personally, I don't know the situation 100%, like the details, but I feel like if I used to talk to somebody and then my friend ended up talking to them, I think right off the bat, I'm like, hey, I think I know that person. And we kind of tried to talk and do things the right way and it didn't work out. I would have probably said that from the start. So I feel like when you hold on to a truth for that long, it becomes something where your friend does think you're jealous because now since things are picking up and we're about to get engaged or married, is that what she said? Her friend Yeah, said, they're yeah, getting engaged. She's about to get engaged. It looks like now you're trying to stop things from go- progressing. What if they were doing it low-key and they didn't want anyone to know until it was serious and to the point okay. of getting engaged? Because some people do do that and they don't want, you know. How about this? I think no matter what, honesty is key. I think you always, always need to be honest with your future spouse, with who you, with your friends. Like you should always be honest. It really does help you. So I think when it comes to that, there's ways to approach it. I think no matter what, she should approach her friend. That's my personal um, opinion. But there's a way to approach it. Like I don't think she should say, well, he treated me bad. He might treat you bad because people do change. Do you think people change? I think people, I think I've changed. So when I feel like I've changed as a person, because I think you're always growing, that doesn't mean everybody changes. Right. But I feel like I've changed. You should always give people the benefit of the doubt that they have changed. I think that's really important when you give people the benefit of the doubt, because the person that you used to talk to when you guys were in your teens is com- going to be a completely different person if they're now like in their late 20s. They're, they've probably experienced a lot of other things in their life that could have obviously had them evolve into a better human being. I just don't think you should compare the relationship you had with this person to the relationship your friend has with this person. There's also different dynamics. Like maybe you guys just clash. You guys yeah. were not right for each other clearly because he's with your friend. So it's all, I, I think she's being a really, really good friend. At the end of the day, she's being such a good friend by kind of like having this on her conscience and worrying. Worrying, it, worrying about it because she has to carry that weight around with her. And if she doesn't step in and say something and something does happen between them and you know, this guy does end up hurting her, she's going to have to blame herself in a sense. Like, I could have helped my friend, you know, and I could have warned her. But again, you don't want to step on any toes. You don't want anyone to think you're just this vindictive friend who's trying to end the relationship. Nobody wants to be the bearer of bad news. But at the same time, there are certain situations in my life that I went through and people that knew things should, I wish they would have told me right then and there instead of holding on to it. But let's say they did. And you're, you know, let's say this girl, she's madly in love with this guy and she, this is the, her future husband. Like you're in that mindset that this is your, this is your other half. Like if someone came and, you know, said that to you, I don't think you'd be as open. Yeah, but it would have opened my eyes a little bit more to the red flags. How about that? It would have made me kind of like, okay, this is starting to make sense because this person and I are having these arguments, but my friend kind of told me that this is the same arguments that they used to have. It kind of opens you up because right. I think women, we really blame ourselves a lot for a lot of things. And sometimes we need to take a step back and realize some things are out of your hand, out of your control. And I don't know. I think it's just more beneficial to be honest. That's yeah. that's my take on this. No, I think, no, I at think the end of the day, honesty is the best way to approach this, but there's also, like you said, there's a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and just figuring out like what kind of person your friend is. Like if she's super sensitive, you have to approach it in a super sensitive way. And, you know, you can tell her like, hey, I'm so happy that you found love and I'm so happy that you're happy and I'm so happy that he changed. And then you can go on into say what you have to say, but approach it 
in a way that's it's all about the approach exactly you're so rising up so i really hope this helped her again this is our personal opinion yeah. guys it is not like we're not professionals <laughs> don't come here. after us if it doesn't go well what is it we're not like is it ask abby or dear abby or whatever yeah, yeah we're not professionals but i think it's great to add this segment to our um introduction <laughs> i just thought of, i just thought of you know that um the segment on all that oh my god it's been a while what was what it, was it? Dear something, that's me. Do you yeah, remember that? Kind of. I remember more so like uh, the Keenan and Cal and the yeah, Burger I'm gonna, Joy. Yeah, I'm going to post a clip of that on our, our Snapchat. You should because I totally Instagram snaps because she had, it was like Amanda Bynes had her own like ask. Girl, Amanda Bynes, she's something else. I know. But they're, I think, I don't know, they said they're bringing all that back and I would it's like to. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be the same. I swear it's not. I watched Toy Story over the weekend. How was it? You know what? I thought by this age I would have kids so I can use them as an excuse to take to these Pixar films. <laughs> but I'm grateful for Hiba and my brothers for, you know, like being like little kids at heart. So us four adults, no kids, went to go see I it. I see nothing wrong with that. Girl, it was so good. You know, sometimes when they, it wasn't a remake because it was a part four, but it was so good and like brought back such like great memories and I still like watch that. SpongeBob, so I can't judge. I never liked that little dude. I don't know, whatever. But you guys, we have an amazing guest today for today's episode. It's going to be Shayma Smail. You guys are going to know her because of that photo that went viral. The one where she was posted on one knee, smiling with that beautiful smile in front of all those racists at the Inkna convention. So we definitely wanted her on because I feel like there's just so much to talk to her about. But to give you some background information about her, she was actually born in Jeddah. I think I'm saying that right. Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Um, but she was raised in America when she was like probably three or four. I think she emigrated here. Uh, she actually works with children on the autism spectrum doing behavioral therapy. And she's also just 24 years old. And she's I'm super young and super like knowledgeable. knowledgeable. She carries herself very well. So I, I'm i kind of envious of that because I feel like at the age of 24, I'm still figuring myself out. Not to say that she isn't, that she has everything figured out, but I just feel like she is. She carries herself in a, a way that makes it more, makes her seem more mature than she is. Yes. So we definitely talk about her upbringing because I don't think we, it's, we just didn't want to talk about the racist rally because there's much more to Shay Matt than just that. And I think it would make more sense for you to know her upbringing her love for the hijab and why she chooses to wear it day in and day out and the reason why she reacted to those racist protesters in the way that she did and we want to obviously poke at the thought of and the topic of being a black muslim woman in today's climate yeah. i think there's just that conversation can never end until we see changes and real changes and when we're not really yeah so please as always stick around for our unfiltered afterthoughts we have a lot more to say about that so oh how did i forget we giveaway. have a giveaway girl it's because it's been a minute since we had a giveaway we almost just jumped into that without announcing <laughs> our winner who is it our winner is H Yasin ninety seven Hadil. You won a beautiful shirt from Leventinian, the brand um, by Dina Masfar. I really love this brand because it's so it's such a simple design. Yeah. Actually, it's not simple. It's very intricate. But I'm trying to say it's like any culture can kind of rock it, right. and I like how it kind of like expands all across all cultures, and you feel it's like so beautiful. I wore mine recently, and the colors, and I got so many compliments on it. Like yeah. it just, it's so comfortable too. It's just a perfect t-shirt. It's like what Pally Root said. The reason why they invest so much in their brand is because it's a conversation starter, and it's a yeah. great way to start the conversation about who you are. Yeah, because some, like people are gonna look, oh my god, I love your shirt, and then you then start... you can get into the reason behind the patterning and all that. Yeah. I agree. Wow, as always. 
always we always want to thank the women that collab with us that are they have their own amazing brand and she's she's always creating something beautiful i love her jeans jackets and how she actually hand paints, hand paints them and she does them on like purses yeah, yeah which she does really them on everything and i'm like amazing until the day i find that perfect black purse i really want her yeah. to write on it because i i just love to be loud Plus, and i'm gonna go to the gucci store after this i'll buy you a girl i do not support those type of brands <laughs> but you know me i would love to just like have a nice purse that just yeah. like dawned on it like palestine uh lena hadid does it all the time she does she it all has, the time like yeah but i think she has like like I don't know, like they're like designers are probably like cost so much. Like I'd rather just go get my twenty dollar nice yeah, purse. Yeah, target. <laughs> yeah, that like you know is very durable, and I'll do it that way. So Hadil girl, you just won yourself a congratulations. Tea. And Dina's amazing. She's letting you choose any color you want, long sleeve or short sleeve. So definitely um, come into our DMs so we can direct you to Dina and we can start the whole process of you getting your shirt. And maybe we could take a selfie too with that. I really yes. love it. So I can't wait to take a selfie in mine. So as always, thank you guys for listening, and let's jump into this. Uh, episode let's dive in let's do it so i didn't want to dive into the racist rally right away because i feel like it would be a disservice to our listeners and i want people to really know who you are before that moment happened because it would make more sense as to why you reacted the way you reacted i want to start like from the beginning like your parents and them finding islam yeah, so quick backstory. My parents became Muslim in their early 20s. So they were Christian before. Um, my mom kind of like learned the religion a little bit and then like kind of introduced it to my dad. Um, and then they basically became Muslim together. Um, my dad was, I think he was 24 and my mom was 22. So they were pretty young um, accepting Islam. So they went to Saudi Arabia a few years after accepting and they just kind of went to learn the religion. So they had like, they already had developed their own understanding of the religion and their own like strong connection. And they pretty much taught us, like my, my siblings and me, they taught us the religion. And, um, you know, so we pretty much had an understanding growing up, um, you know, about the religion and all that. That's interesting because I mean, it's different when you're like born Muslim, you're born in a community that's already Muslim, but your parents were like American and they decided to just like learn about the religion. How, like, I think it's always interesting because like, how does that make you feel? Like your parents found the religion. How did you find Islam? Because it's not like, hey, my parents are Muslim, I'm gonna be Muslim. I think you probably had to have some type of, not disconnect. Find your own connection yes. to the religion and to Allah. Yeah, so like there was a time where I felt like I needed to establish my own connection separate from my parents, you know, and that was a little difficult. Like, you know, I was that visibly Muslim girl coming from a very religious family, yet like my connection with my Lord wasn't there or it was lax. And so, you know, I had to kind of go back and just reassess what it is I was doing and just kind of finding my own connection and getting a refresher. You know, I was that girl in the prayer line next to someone crying and I'd be like, you know, I want to be that person. Like, it must be nice to, you know, be able to cry in your salah and sometimes I can't even concentrate. So for me, it was like, there's something that I need to do for myself. But I think this is some an issue that a lot of kids go through, even if you're not a child of a convert. I think it's something that me and Dunya I mean, to this day, we kind of deal with that, like not being as connected to the to religion and Islam as we want to be and learning to find that connection in our own way. Because the way that you might connect to Islam 
might not be the way that we connect. Is that, yeah. Does that make sense? I think everybody has their own way of connecting and coming back to Allah. Yeah. But let me tell you, that was such a great point, Shayma, when she said, like, I've experienced this in the gym. I'm like, this lady's bawling her eyes out. Why am I not able to focus? But then you don't know what hardships people have faced. And you don't know if that's maybe because she literally was going through something at that moment and she connected to Allah. And that's why I'm always all for hardships. Like, that sounds crazy. But when Allah gives me a hardship, man, that, like, shows you he loves you. So just because you're not connecting, Shayma, I think... That's a hardship in itself. And he's trying to like bring you back in. So that's a great point. How did you like, how were you able to like try to find ways to connect with Allah again? Because that I would like to know. Yeah, honestly, like for me, I went back to relearning. Like, because for me, my parents taught us a lot. Like they taught us a lot of Quran and like the stories of the prophets and Hadith and all that. So we have like a strong understanding, you know, so I had to just go back and learn it for myself because I, I learned at a, at a young age, like I learned all of that at a young age. So I was like, I had to kind of go back and relearn the trials of the prophets and we learned their tests because they had some serious things going on, you know, and, you know, for a little old me, I'm thinking I'm going through stuff, but like I had to kind of go back and just learn that they had such a strong connection and their tests are what kind of brought them closer. So that's pretty much how I dealt with it. Yeah, I mean, for all of us, it's kind of, that's a good point, actually going back and studying the things that we learned as little kids. Because as little kids, I don't think you can make that connection between the stories. And you don't realize how how much you can learn from the stories of each prophet and what they went through at five years old you don't know what you don't understand you can't make that connection you're so right their stories are timeless like it's like it's passed down from generation to generation because in some shape or form we can actually relate to the stories of our prophets and you understand it better as you get older because you see the connection of what you had what they had go had gone through what they had gone through at that point in their life and then what you're going through now you can kind of see like a parallel even if it's not like on point the same exact situation or experience you can kind of make a connection between like okay i'm going through this let me see what prophet muhammad would have done in this situation yeah but even shayma like i think you're also trying to get at like i think we all want to feel our religion i think we want our whole body mind and soul to feel our religion more than just like even learning about it but that's like the great first step like learning about it right and then now how can you apply it in your day-to-day life and how do you feel it like did you start like man like i really now feel like not now i feel like i'm muslim but like now i understand it and it's like i can be the one that's like connecting to the imam when he's at the jam and saying the you know the or he's praying for us and whatnot yeah i think it's easy for religion to become a chore and for it to become like like you said earlier to become routine because, yeah, you know, we get the event on our phone and we get up and pray and we go through the motions of like standing up and, you know, saying what we need to say. But if our heart's not in it, then what's the point? Is that how you felt, Shayma? No, seriously, I did. Um, and then just thinking back at like Ramadan that just passed, like Khatam al-Quran, the last Tarawih, and, you know, just having the Sheikh going through the dua and him crying. And like, I felt that like. I felt it all and I'm kind of I learned a little bit of Arabic so I kind of understood what he was saying but then there were other things that I didn't understand and I was like I still felt that like <laughs> I still got it oh my god that's so like this okay you're really teaching us a lot this is something that like like went over my head you do not do you not yeah you don't speak Arabic 
Yeah, my parents speak Arabic. My siblings speak Arabic, like my older siblings. But, you know, my brother and I, we were the younger ones. And when I came to America, I was three and my brother was five. So we lost the language. The language. So, like, we don't really have that, you know, privilege of knowing what is going on all the time. That's a great thing to keep in mind because not only do we have people who aren't of the Arab descent, we have converts coming to our mosque and they want to learn, but they can't learn because it's the lectures are being taught in a language that they don't understand. And we don't realize that like we're, we're stopping people from connecting to our religion because we're creating this language barrier where there doesn't need to be one. I mean, the majority of our imams do speak English. I'm so, so mind blown. Yeah, I mean, this uh, this is something that needs to be addressed, I think. And thank you for bringing that up because that's a point I don't think we realize. No, we didn't because, that, like, at your gym, Shayma, I mean, like, do they probably even provide lectures for Urdu speakers? I don't know how to say it right, but Urdu speakers, um, ones that, yeah, don't speak Arabi, but they are Muslim. Do they provide lectures for other languages? Because I don't know if mine does. So for us, we have like the lectures are in English. It's just like when it comes to like the Arabic, when it comes like they do the Arabic, like anytime it's like a hadith or like a um, a verse from the Quran, they will like say it in Arabic, but then they will switch to English. Um, But for like the dua, like it was like, obviously it was all in Arabic. And like, I have like a new like revert friend who's actually Chinese and like he doesn't he's new he's a fresh um you know revert friend so he doesn't speak um Arabic or understand so like you know he was a tarawih too and like he was like what was going on why was he crying and I'm like yo let me tell you let me explain to you what was going on and like I was able to just kind of go through like okay he was talking about the you know he was talking about us and asking for forgiveness and he was talking about like the different countries and he was asking you know just to better us as like a whole as an ummah and all that so I was able to just kind of like you know pinpoint all the things but like I have you know revert friends who don't know at all and you're left to fill in the blanks as well because you're not understanding it fully because you don't speak the language fully and that's hard yeah Girl, that adds another layer to the whole disconnection. And now I feel your pain. Wow, it's like, it's almost like, yeah, it's a privilege. Like, we're privileged. We get to go to our mosque and understand it both in obviously in English and Arabic. Of course, the Quran is in Arabic. That's not going to change. But I think there's ways that we can provide assistance to those who do not speak Arabic. Because somebody that's a revert could be much older. Or not even a revert, but let's just say somebody that's a that's from Pakistan and they don't speak Arabic, and it's like they're coming to the masjid and they're not going to understand oh, yeah. everything I mean, in Arabic. Have, like you're it's saying, hard. Chinese Muslims that aren't reverts that are just born Muslim. Yeah, that's um, there's there's a lot. It's complicated. Yeah. Obviously, we can't save the world and whatnot, but <laughs> these conversations are great, Shaymat, because this is how you start the conversation with your um, sheikhs and and your masjids, and you provide more lectures in different languages. And yeah, you want everybody like, to welcome. Yeah, even if it's like um, he knows the imam knows what he's gonna say, maybe transcribe it in different languages. Yeah, have like you know someone who speaks Urdu write it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just so. It, it connects to more people and the messages relate to more people. I also want to just go back to like just that disconnect because like it's very emotional. Would you agree, Shayma? It's a very emotional no, process. How, because I watched your YouTube video and I really resonated when you broke down because I was like, that was me at one point. And sometimes it's still me. It's still me. It's still like a spiritual journey that you're taking and it's never going to be easy. You're going to have your dips and you're going to have your highs. 
why like how did you get like gain the courage to open up like that in your youtube video and just like you know what this is raw i'm breaking down because this is what i had to deal with so for me i really wasn't expecting to have a breakdown and like i just really thought that i was gonna go for like just talking and just like just talking about like my experience as like a muslim woman wearing hijab and everything like that but like once I started talking about the connection, it just kind of like hit me that like I went through like, you know, a spiritual disconnect for a while. And I was like, you know, I'm being visibly Muslim, but like I'm still disconnected in a way. Um, so for me, I was like, I had to keep it in because it was it would have like it wouldn't have been authentic. You know, if I had taken it out, it wouldn't have been authentic. So I was just like, let me just keep it in there and just like <laughs> let it be what it is. You're so right, because I'm telling you, like, it hit me too. Because I don't know about you guys, but it kind of like that feeling of when you want to like have that breakdown or where you're crying, it just comes out of nowhere sometimes. And you know what's interesting? You were kind of looking at that woman next to you crying in the masjid, but does it always have to be in the masjid that you're crying to feel connected? Because you had that moment in your YouTube video. That's where such a good point. It, it doesn't always have to be in the masjid that you have that Connection. that connection or that just like that breakdown because maybe it was meant for other people to see it and for it to be a domino effect because i'm telling you girl when you cried in that video i was like that's me that's me sometimes at night out of nowhere like i'll have a good day but sometimes when you're so blessed alhamdulillah knock on wood it actually kind of it's bittersweet because you realize like i want to hold on to these blessings as, as long as i can but then at the same time like damn like thank you god for really loving me and you just like cry at night i don't know am i the only one you guys or no no i get it and sometimes crying is like relieving yeah, like, i don't know but like when you bottle things up and just like when you let it go it like i don't know and i feel like also making that connection of like the first point of like what you need to do when you're trying to feel connected is realize that you're not connected yes. is that do you understand what i'm trying to say like making that like uh statement that says like you know hey i'm not feeling as connected as, as i want to be i think is the first step to getting to that yeah yeah where you want to be exactly yeah right shayma yeah Mm -hmm. and it also shows that you're like you're so passionate about whatever it is so for me like with the dean like i was like it showed me that i had a love that like sometimes i feel like i'm not connected but i still had this love and i I still like i was still yearning for like finding that connection so just going through that just showing myself that i'm passionate that was enough for me. SubhanAllah, That's like it. how Allah works. Yeah. Like even without praying, you he still kind of tries to bring you back in by by almost kind of making your heart feel like it has a void and it's empty a little bit and that's and that's when you realize like oh no something doesn't feel right something feels off and I need to like really reassess where I am with my faith because this is this is how I started realizing certain things like when it comes to prayer I would be the first to admit it was more like routine. I would just do it just to do it. Oh no, it's also time. I let me pray real quick. But it's not that. Like you gotta kind of look at things from a different perspective. I don't know about you guys, but like I started realizing like, don't look at it as like, oh no, it's also time. Let me pray. Let me get it over with. This is my moment in the day where I get to stop everything. Like literally stop everything and decide to have a conversation with God. Don't just aimlessly say these words, but realize that you're really having a conversation with god at like five times a day and i don't know how you feel when you pray shayma 
No, there's sometimes it definitely, I feel like there's a disconnect when I pray sometimes. Um, and I just like, when I make it a routine, there's a disconnect. But when I actually like think about it, I have the, you know, intention and stuff like that. I feel much better coming out of it. And also when it's rushed, I feel like something's wrong. Like when I don't pray and then like I have to make up a few prayers, I feel like, okay, I don't feel like praying right now because I have so many prayers. But when I pray them on time, I feel accomplished. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like I feel so much better when I'm like praying on time and stuff like that. But when it's like, you know, when I had so much to do that day and I'm just like, oh man, I have so many prayers. Now I'm just like, oh, let me just hurry up and run through these real quick. And I feel like, I don't know about how you guys feel, but like when I'm going through something, I feel like my salahs carry more weight and I feel more spiritually connected than the days that I, I'm okay and nothing's really going on in my life. And that's something that I feel like I need to work on is feeling that connection no matter what I'm going through even at the happy moments to the sad moments. Absolutely. And girl, you wear the hijab and you wear it so beautifully, um, mashallah. How, like, when did you decide to put it on? And what has your journey been with the hijab? Because I think we got to really mention the fact that just because somebody wears a hijab does not mean that, oh my God, they're up there with God. They're like the perfect Muslim. They right. have every, they have all their stuff together when it comes to their faith. When you've just told us, like you've had your moment of spiritual disconnection or and you're wearing the hijab. Um, so yeah, I started wearing hijab when I was six years old. Um, my mom wears hijab. My sisters wear hijab. So like I had like people to look up to and like kind of want to be like. So when I was young, I wanted to wear it. And then like it just kind of stuck with me. Um, so for me, like there are some times where I have like little highs and lows, but there's never a time where I'm like, I'm going to ever just take it off. Like, I never feel like I just want to take it off and then just kind of live life without like being visibly Muslim. Like I have so much pride in my religion that like I love wearing my hijab. Like this is not just a piece of fabric for me. Like it is a spiritual connection or it's, it's, it symbolizes my spiritual connection with Islam. Um, it's not just a piece of fabric on my head, you know, like wearing this, people see that I'm Muslim. When I come into the room, automatically people know that I'm Muslim and, you know, I don't have to worry about like explaining, you know, that I'm Muslim because it's already there. Um, so people might start asking questions about it, but like, you know, I have so much pride that I don't even care. Um, and then like knowing there are other people out there that like have so much respect for Muslim women for wearing hijab and I kind of encountered them a lot more than I encountered other people. So like just kind of seeing that like when I carry myself as a Muslim or a visibly Muslim woman, you know, I get a sense of respect from other people. Um, so for me, like I feel like this is something that I would never want to take off. Um, but yeah, there are always times where like I could want to go to you know the like a concert or something like that and you know that's not the most like islamic thing to do so like you know you might want to alter your you know hijab a little bit so it just kind of goes back to just checking yourself and just seeing like all right where are you with like your connection and then like kind of like fixing it up yeah kind of like adapting and and like you said when you you said like when you walk into a room people know you're visibly muslim with no questions asked. For me and Dunya, it's not that way. And I hate it. I and really I do too. It. And I feel like sometimes my coworkers would be like, oh, you're Muslim? And I'm like, yeah. Like, how did you guys not know? And then I realize it's my fault. 
that no, they don't know. Don't don't say it's well, your fault. Well, not my fault, but like it's not like I like I said. Like I'm not. I don't pull out my prayer rug in the middle of the office and start praying. You know what I mean? I'm not walking into work with hijab on. So I mean, it is harder. I you know why I said don't say it's your fault. I think it's a little ignorant when people assume Muslims look a certain way. That's true. A Muslim man doesn't have to have a beard. A Muslim That's woman true. doesn't have to wear the hijab. We come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, That's true. cultures, That's and everything. Because I think we do put that all on us. Like oh no, like it's it's, it's my fault because I'm not wearing the hijab. I don't look Muslim enough, and they should have known I was Muslim, and it's all on me. No, yeah. you're a little ignorant. You shouldn't you know think that way. But I I definitely understand what you're saying. But it's also it's so interesting, Shayma. Like something that is like literally weighs like just like a feather has so much weight when it comes to your hijab. It's like almost a lot of pressure because you're almost like a Google, like like <laughs> ask Google because people seem like she has a hijab. She knows every single detail about Islam. Do you feel that way? Oh yeah, all the time. Like there are so many times where I get people asking questions, and for the most part, I'm okay with the questions because they have some sort of intelligence or intellect you know like when people ask questions and they just like you're just looking at them like why did you ask me that <laughs> like, but, like do you shower are... that thing on <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so like there are people who actually want to know like what what we do and like stuff like that and there are other people who actually know muslims and they already have an understanding so they kind of like they kind of want to know because sometimes Muslims do things differently because we're all different, you know, like we don't always practice the same way. So they want to know like, okay, so why do you do this and why don't they do that? So, you know, it's those questions too. Um, but like for the most part, I'm okay with the questions unless you're just being completely just rude. I think it's interesting too because you wore it at a very young age, but for a good reason you wanted to... Um... I mean, you love your mom so much. You look up to her and that's why you wore it. But do you agree like with age comes like different, I guess you're, you you become more knowledgeable and you also like kind of grow with your hijab. Has like your mindset about hijab changed? I'm not saying like you decided to take it off or keep it on, but like how has your connection to your hijab transformed over the years from you being a little girl to now you're like a grown woman? I think my mindset as a whole, like with with the religion, with hijab, all of that has changed because before, like I didn't really have an understanding and for the longest time, I didn't know how to answer that question, why do you wear hijab, you know? And now I can answer that question and I have like a firm, you know, understanding for myself. So it definitely changed and shifted you know, because before I was just wearing it because I'm a Muslim, you know, and I want to be like, I'm proud of being a Muslim. And now it's the same thing, but there's so much more to it. It is. There's much more to it. Yeah. It's, like, it it's like it's a physical representation, but it's also just your way of showing your love for Islam and for Allah. Yeah. And I feel like if Dunya and I were to put on the hijab tomorrow, I feel like it would just feel like a piece of fabric to us. But I think over the years and over time, I mean, I don't wear the hijab, so I don't know, but I feel like it would essentially just become a part of you. And it doesn't, you don't see it as a fabric anymore. You see it as something that it's just tell us it's a part of you. So this kind of brings us into that racist rally where you showcase your beautiful Colgate smile, girl. Mm -hmm. I need to know what, how that day went. More so just like a quick overview because I think everybody kind of knows the gist of it. And the I fact know that, that that picture was posted everywhere. So I'm certain all of our followers have already, you know, yeah, seen it. I want more so just your thought process of when you came face to face 
with these racist dudes that decided to just like show up uninvited to this event and they just wanted to spread hate more so than them trying to actually like they were they thought that they can wake you guys up and i don't know come to their side or i don't know what was i don't know what the heck the purpose was of that but tell us like how you felt because i would be so nervous because when i want to like kind of like put my foot down and show people like no this is what islam is about for some reason i have this adrenaline rush like how did you feel so yeah when we were kind of going in from one building to the next we can hear them while we were in one building and um you know i could just hear a bunch of loud noise i could hear like it was kind of you could hear that they were like the people were preaching hateful speech but like you didn't really know the nature of what was going on outside because you really couldn't see them but i could see that people were just going on you know going into the next building and it, it was it didn't seem like it was like um you know a hostile yeah like it didn't seem like it was a hostile environment so i was like all right cool we can see that the security guard was still directing traffic and stuff like that so like when we went outside i was like oh they're just you know some guys you know with a few signs and it wasn't as bad as i thought it was when i first heard them so yeah like we had a lot of stuff going on so we didn't even get a chance to like take a picture that day but sunday is when i took the picture and i just i was like really eager to take the picture because i was just like i want to show people that we're going to continue to be unapologetic even though there are people out there you know preaching against our religion like we don't really care like at the end of the day we're going to still be us and we're going to still be happy doing it that's interesting. I didn't know that it was for, they were there for more than one, than one day. They weren't just there on the last They're day. They're committed to their hatred because that's like, <laughs> they were. Girl, nobody offered them a three day pass of like, hey, come inside and actually see what we're teaching and what we're like. But they don't, I don't think, even if they would have, I think these people are so set in their ways and you can't change bigots. They're, you can't change their minds. They're already firm on what they believe. I think it's just. I don't know. I mean, I, there are other there are situations and scenarios where you can change their mind, but I feel like these people were just so dedicated to hate that even if you would have, it wouldn't have made a difference. You're so right because I feel like okay, but the thing is, it's like you're so invested in hating our religion you didn't take the time to actually learn about it if you're so obsessed with us like literally mariah carey why are you so obsessed with me why did you like not decide to like take it upon yourself to actually teach yourself or like meet with a sheikh and learn about it so you are right a three-day pass at ikna convention was probably not gonna change their minds yeah. but you've seen them face to face shame like how were they face to face um just seeing them they were just they were just they had they had their mindset what they were going to do was just kind of yell through the little tube phone or wherever that was, you know, all the hateful things that they had, you know, planned to say. Um, they were just talking about how, like, oh, you know, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves having kids around, listening to the lies and hate that we're spreading and stuff like that, like talking about we're going to hell and all this other stuff. And I'm like, if you only knew the topic was on healing humanity, like the topic was on like, you know, just learning about the prophet, peace be upon him and then his trials and stuff like that. Like and then what happened what was it like maybe a month or so before that what happened in New Zealand we were like a lot of the topics were on what was happening and how to cope because the attack in New Zealand hit us all like it hit us all so hard so like we were really just talking about that and then within that that ha what happened on Sunday actually Sunday was the day that Sri Lanka was um, attacked and 
it was the same day that they were outside, you know, it was Easter, it was Easter, they were outside, you know, like, they had, uh, they had their mindset on just kind of like, spending their day, <laughs> spending their Easter day to spread hate instead of just spending their time with their families. So for us, like it was, it was, it, it hurt because like we were, we were hurting for Sri Lanka because of people who are using our religion to spread hate. And then we have people outside, you know, spreading hate against us. And it's like, okay, here, here we are. It comes from all directions. Sometimes at, at one time it comes from like all directions. Like you're trying to, um, tell the media, no, you're not right. This is not like true Muslims who did the attack on Sri Lanka. But then here you have people outside believing that and now they're attacking you. So that's where I, I know a lot of people might disagree with me, but I kind of feel bad for these people because they've been fed misinformation. And so they have their this idea of what Muslims are and what Islam is teaching you know, Muslims. And in their head, Islam is evil. And so many blogs that are written by people who despise Muslims that I understand. I know this is wrong. I get it. But getting where, like, I'm going to play devil's advocate, coming from where they're, you know, from where they are, they see us as evil. And, you know, the information and the community that they surround themselves with believes the same as them. And I know there are outlets that can, you know, you're so right, Zaina, because you up, can right. play devil's advocate for sure and kind of see where they're coming from. And right. not everybody's going to be like us where we actually are going to go and educate ourselves. Right. But damn, really, you're going to use Fox News as your educational tool? Like, go back to school I and know. really educate yourself. You cannot use the media and certain biased medias as your educational tool to learn about a whole Religion. entire yeah. group of people. Like, are you serious? Like, out of a, what, 30-minute clip on Fox News that they play about us? Like, there is definitely a disconnect there. But I also... Back to Shaymet, what she was saying, I like the fact that our conventions now bridge the gap between what's happening today with our stories of our prophets. Right. So, like, how did you feel about that? Like, it was kind of like, whoa, like, here, I, I just learned this, and now I'm about to apply it. Is that how you felt? Oh, yeah, I really did, because, like, we learned how, like, um, I don't want to go too, because I feel like I don't want to make give, like, a history lesson on Islam. <laughs> like, you know, we learned how, like, the prophet was, like, you know, he was forced outside of his city and like he was so vulnerable and all this other stuff and then like he still you know persevered and you know he was still super kind to everyone and so for me like just getting that like refresher and just kind of like I felt like for me it was in a sense another layer of like that spiritual connection is kind of like you know like this being a little bit more firm so like for me just coming out I was like I was I felt good so I was like you know let me just continue like let me continue to spread it because you know of what I've gotten inside you're so right about that spiritual connection because I feel like the more spiritually connected to your religion you are the more confident you are to face these bigots because you know your religion you know you're so proud of being Muslim so you're gonna give them your two cents and I think it's more peaceful because if you weren't connected you would have been like you know F you guys like, like me you know it would have been yeah it would have just like anger but I think you were so connected yeah. that you know you you responded in such a peaceful way um so you're Muslim and you're black and you're a black Muslim so I'm sure this wasn't your first experience with racism um has your past experiences prepped you to deal with situations like this 
Yeah, honestly, like for me, I'm 24. I don't know if anyone knew this, but I'm 24. So I grew up post 9-11. So, you know, I kind of gotten, you know, with being black, with being Muslim, you know, I've gotten, you know, people just kind of showing hate toward us and discrimination toward us. Um, so I've always been kind of like programmed to know like we're gonna come out on the other side anyway like you guys might say whatever you want to say but like at the end of the day we're still going to come out like better so for me like I've had situations where I've gone to a shoe store and you know been discriminated against and um my mom she sued and she won you know so for things like that like I always feel like there's always going to be us coming out on the other side. So for me, I, that's just kind of how I was raised. Um, and then I also kind of taken a picture like this before. So I kind of already had like this idea that this is kind of how I'm going to like address these people. So I took a picture like this on my college campus and it was basically just a bunch of people protesting hate against or protesting anyone. Basically it was just preaching hate against everyone on campus anyone who was different and they were outside of our lecture hall or my lecture hall and I just saw them and I was like you know what let me use them as a backdrop so I at that time I wanted to talk to them and I wanted to like get my voice heard and like pretty much debate with them but now I'm learning like you're not going to get through to them because they already have their mind made up so someone that extreme that's going to like take their time out to just kind of preach so much hate to everyone because these people kind of go to campus to, from campus to campus they don't just go to one campus they go from campus to campus so like these people whether they're going to campuses or like conventions their minds are made up and they're they're pretty out of like a pretty hard extreme so for me i'm just like you, you just the only thing you can do is kind of um, treat that with kindness or, or combat it with kindness. So at the end of the day, I feel like we have to portray ourselves in a positive light. You know, we're already viewed so negatively. So first and foremost, that's what Islam teaches us, to be positive, to be kind. You know, there's a hadith that says, um, you aren't a believer until you want for your brother or sister what you want for yourself. And I talked to an imam and he helped me understand that there is another narration that states you're not a believer until you want for people what you want for yourself. So with that being said, there's no restriction to what kind of people you need to be kind to. Not to mention, I'm a strong believer of karma. So like if I'm putting out negativity into the world, like I don't want that to come back to me. So like, you got to think about it. Like when you pray for someone, the angels are asking for that prayer to be for you too. So imagine if you're praying against someone, you know, the angels are asking for that prayer to be for you too. It's that deep. That's so like, that's yeah. a really great point, Shay Matt. For sh thank you for sharing that with us. Cause you don't think that way no. you, and I am, I am a really firm believer, just like you are when it comes to karma, like yeah, what anything, goes around, comes around. Yeah, what goes definitely. around comes around. But I just like want to commend you for dealing with them the way you did because you started a chain reaction. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, people started posing with the, the racists in their way, Amazing. Yeah. How did you, how do you feel about that? Like you by yourself started this positive chain reaction. I think it's so crazy. And like, I feel so much like joy and comfort from that because like I can see people are like using that as an opportunity to continue positivity like you know and that's what we need like we need more positivity in this world there's way too much you know stuff going on there's so much hate going on so we really need to just kind of like spread kindness and spread like positivity so it was really like refreshing just to see people doing that 
You're absolutely right, honestly. So do you feel like a sense of responsibility to now present yourself in a certain light? Because you you didn't ask for this, but girl, you're an influencer now, technically. And I know there's like a negative connotation with the word influencer, but I feel like there's a, a lot of amazing women out there who are defining it in their own way and they're spreading positivity with their platform. And now you have a platform, like overnight, girl, you got a platform. So how does that feel? Like, is that like a lot of pressure on you? On one end, it really is because like, you kind of get this pressure to kind of do what other people want you to do with your platform. You know, you kind of get this pressure to spread more awareness because other people are telling you to and stuff like that. So like, for me, it was like, what do I do? And I just kind of had to take a step back and say like, what do I want people to see from me? And I want people to see me. I want people to re remember who I am, you know, as a person, as a positive person, as a goofy person, as a funny person. You know, I don't want people to see me as this person that's always, you know, trying to save the world because that's not who I am. Like, there is an activist person within me, but at the same time, I'm still a little old Shema. And, you know, I still want to remain true to who I am. So, being an influencer, it is so hard because, like, either you're showing, like, the activist side or you're showcasing, like, the beauty of your life. And it's like, I want to be an in between. Like, I want to be the real me. You know, like, it's just so hard to do that so like I just kind of had to just take a step back and just kind of like see like who I am and what I want you're so right because there's I feel like there's just so much trauma going on in the world like and it's so much sadness like what's happening in Sudan right now what's happening in Palestine in Yemen everywhere around the world and it's almost like, oh, she's an influencer. She has a platform. She better post this about Sudan on Thursday. She better post about Yemen on Friday. Talk about Palestine. You can't forget about Palestine. Make sure you post it on Saturday. Somebody once told us, and it actually was Yusra in one of our episodes, and I loved how she put it. She's like, it's, it's very sad what's going on in the world, but Allah didn't build us as human beings to be able to handle all this trauma all at once. So just because you have a platform doesn't always mean that you it's your responsibility to every single day put your life on hold to share all this that's going on at the same time we should but to a certain extent Absolutely. where it's healthy i think that people need to stop being so concerned what other people are doing with their lives and worry Thank about you. themselves because like at the end of the day like we're gonna have to answer for ourselves so like why are you so mad at what someone else is doing but like for that like it's why can't they like why can't they continue to live their lives because there's always going to be a social injustice there's always going to be something to talk about and if you can't talk about it just because you're going to continue living your life like why like how does that even work it, it doesn't make sense to me and i that's what i'm saying like okay you but i'm like okay how is this okay like you just put up a post about putting down people for the way they're showcasing these stories you could have used that same post to raise awareness about exactly. sudan exactly so girl that. like yeah that far i'm just i'm being serious exactly. like i think i'm all about energy and if you're gonna put your energy into one thing make sure it's positive because that energy could have been used for something better so if you're gonna use your energy to put down people to talk about the way they do that's things that's not doing any justice for you're the not, world you're, not, you're yeah. in the same category you're, you're talking about about yourself you know what i mean so when it comes to these injustices and there's also so much information we would know you cannot believe everything online there's a lot of false information that was spread about new zealand attacks and people were sharing it and it's like that's a disservice to the victims you're sharing misinformation and it's very so it's like there's people that want to take a step back wait a few days and then post about it because right. they want to get their facts straight everyone wants to be the first nowadays because yeah. like breaking news or like, woke yeah. or woke i don't know shame yeah. man like 
how so i feel like you have this influencer thing down packed i'm so glad that you're very real because it, we need somebody like that i don't want somebody that's just like I'm gonna be an activist today and I think I know what I'm doing and because I have a platform, I this is the new me. You're this is not the new you. You just added another layer to yourself and now there's just something more that's on your conscience, which is like, yeah, you have a platform so you kinda know what you're gonna post next and where the responsibility that comes with posting it. But how do you like are you enjoying this platform? Because do you feel like, wow, now my voice is amplified and I can do more good? Or how do you feel about that? I feel like right now I'm still in a space where I'm still navigating through. So I haven't really enjoyed, like I still am enjoying my life and I'm posting, but like, you know, I still feel like there is a layer that like people weren't here like um, a two or three months ago. So they didn't see how I used to post before. And like the, I'm still posting the same way to be honest. Like I'm still posting about like, you know, injustices because that's what I was doing, you know, three or four months ago, like way before, like, you know, a long time ago, I was still posting this stuff. So like, you know, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm just posting more because I know that's what people want. Like, yeah. so I'm posting more of myself even, like I'm posting more on my page because like, you know, I know that it, it messes with the algorithm if I am not posting. So like, you know, I'm trying to post a little bit more. So it's like, for me, I'm, I feel like it's turning into a job instead of like something where I'm just like happy to post. Because before I can go a month without posting and come back and be like, what's up guys? But yeah. now I'm like, I'm losing followers. <laughs> like, And it's like, this, that's kind of like going on in my head. Like, oh, I'm actually losing followers. Before I was like, oh, let them go. Like, let them <laughs> filter out. Now I'm like, oh no, they're going. <laughs> Thank you for being real because that's true. Everybody thinks that way. I mean, Zaina, you and I, like, I used to share books when I want to share books. I used to share coffee when I want to share coffee. But now I feel like everything has to be like looking really nice yeah. for our podcast page. It's a lot of pressure. It is like another job. And it is another job. People can't, you cannot roll your eyes as we're saying this. No, because it's, it is. We I'm all sorry. live in this social media world where this is just the way things are but again you could use it you could use your platform in whatever way you want to use it but i'm like glad that you're being so damn real about this honestly because a lot of people are like you know yeah i love this everything's new... perfect yeah, yeah no. no it's not it's it, it comes it, like you said now it's a job you can't be going disappearing on a shay met for a month you're that girl <laughs> with a smile in front of the racist so it's like people expect so much of you but I think you, I think you kind of are you know how to navigate this now. I mean, maybe not fully, not perfectly because this just happened, but it's it's a learning experience for sure. I do want to kind of dive into being black and Muslim. Yeah. Honestly. So when we think of Muslims usually, we don't think of black Muslims. We think of the Arabs and the Desis and we think of, you know, everything almost but black Muslims. But you guys do make a huge part. I think like when it's it comes third. to American yeah, American Muslims, it's like the majority of American Muslims are black Muslims. I think it's part of our own community's fault for like shutting out the black Muslims um, as a pay as a way of like, you know, kind of we just don't I don't know I why know we do it, but we don't include them when we talk about Islam, the Islamic community. community. Yeah. Yeah. And but so I think it's like, I, just to say what you were saying, you're so right, Zena. It's like a part of it is our own community showing racism right. towards the black community, the black Muslim community. But then you also have the like the Western like Americans who don't even think of black Muslims because they're so used to seeing like the, the typical Arab with a long with the beard, beard. Yeah. yeah, olive skin and whatnot. So black Muslims are just taken out of the narrative completely from both 
ends and it's like how how does that make you feel like how does it actually how does it feel to be stationed at this intersection of being a black muslim woman i know that's like a a really loaded question but how does it really truly make you feel yeah um i kind of want to go a little back just to talk about like just being black and muslim um and then like how the media portrays us so like Growing up, I would see like here and there like the black Muslim like person you know, who is someone in the prison or like someone who's like from the nation of Islam. But like you know, being a black Muslim, like just seeing for ourselves like there's so much more to us out there, and like seeing like my black Muslim friends, like seeing that like most of them may be like second generation Muslims, but then I have friends who have. Been, who have had Islam in their their lives for or their families for so long for generations and generations like their grandparents their great grandparents are Muslim and I'm like that must be nice so it's actually funny to see that like most people who do encounter Black Muslims think that they have reverted to Islam but like the Black Muslims that I know or most of them have already grown up on Islam and that's all they know. You know what's also a good point? The fact that like when we deal with racism, you and I, Zaina, we have cousins who understand us. Shaymet, you also come from a family that not your entire family is Muslim. They're Christian, right? Yeah. How does it it feel like you kind of, because it's only like your immediate family that's Muslim, your mom, your dad, your siblings, but not your cousins. How does, like, I don't know, how is that? For that, I do feel like it is like a little void. Like my my um, cousins and like my family, they pretty much understand that we're Muslim and they respect that. So, um, you know, when we come for gatherings and stuff like that, they are very respectful and understanding that like we might not do certain things and like we might not eat the meat and stuff like that. So it is a little different, but like, you know, it's always a good environment when we're around them. Um, but it is different, you know, when we want to like maybe talk to them about certain things, you have to kind of like explain, you know, because they wouldn't already know. Um, so we don't have that same luxury of having like everyone pretty much knowing everything because like they're not Muslim. Going back to something you mentioned um, about how the media portrays black Muslims, I feel like that's something that Dunya and I don't really even think about because we're so focused on like, how Arabs are portrayed in the media. And it's always like the terrorist or, you know, the, the bad guy that's gonna about to blow up the building or whatever. And it is a problem, not even with just Arabs. We have to also realize that black Muslims are being portrayed so negatively in the media as well and in these books and in movies and TV shows. And it's a problem I think that we need to focus on. Yeah, but we also need to, you're so right, Zaina, like that's such a great point. And I think we also should always take it back to the masjids. It starts there. It starts from our community. And I think we should always talk about this until something is done. Like people might be tired. It's like, okay, we get it. The black Muslim community feels like an outcast in the masjid. It's like, no, we should never be like, oh, okay, we get it. Like, what are we doing about it? And I think it's very like, you should never, ever, ever feel like an outsider in the house of Allah. And I know you've had experiences like that, Shayma. And it's just so, it's very saddening to know that there's like a Muslim out there that doesn't feel welcome in a masjid. Like, that's just so hypocritical to me. And like, it is hypocritical. Very hypocritical. So, yeah, so much. How do you, like, yeah, how do, how does, how do you, like, how do you see the jamma? And I don't know how your jamma is. I don't know if it's very diverse or not. But, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, I feel like it's definitely tough. Just kind of going from, you know, being, you know, black and, you know, Muslim and being a woman, like, you know, it's pretty much tough for all three to be like a struggle. But then when you come into the masjid and it's like 
about like <laughs> like we still have struggles within our own community like you can go to the masjid and then you won't get the same treatment as everyone else because you know you're kind of maybe ignored or looked over walked over you know someone bumps you won't even say excuse me stuff like that um and that's like it's annoying but like and then for me, like, I'm one of those people that, like, I demand respect. So it's like I have to remind myself, like, to just kind of, like, tame myself and just kind of, like, keep going through it or, like, keep pushing through. But, yeah, there's definitely racism and colorism within the Muslim community. And, like, the sad thing is that it trickles down to the youth and to the children. I was at a party once, and my friend who's Moroccan with, like, curly hair, you know, was with me and there was this little girl who was Yemeni and she said to my friend in Arabic, why is your hair like that? You should change it. And I was like, oh, like if she, like what, what does she even think about me? Like if she had known, like what would she be thinking about me? Before you said that, I was about to say, when you were saying like it trickles down to the children, I was like, yeah, but I feel like our generation's gonna change that. And apparently not. No. Like, that's so saddening to hear. It's not, not yeah, our entire generation is not as open and welcoming yeah. and understanding. And you would think they are, though. That's no. the sad part. You would think that, like, our generation is going to be the generation that changes the racism within our own community and try to bridge that gap. But it's, I guess it's not the case. It's just, like, it's so contradictory. Like, like I don't know if you agree with this, statement. Like, how do you, like, you pray to Allah, but you're looking down on some of his creations just because they don't share the same color skin as you. And I don't understand why people, like, this is not... This is not every masjid. This is not every Muslim community. Just some people within the community just make black Muslims feel like an outcast. And I just feel like, why do people like look down on black black Muslims as if like they don't know much about our religion? I think they kind of think that you guys don't know much about our religion. You just wear the scarf and that's it. You're Muslim, but you don't know anything. Like, oh, you don't understand us. Like, why are you even here bothering, like wasting your time? Do you ever feel that way? Like you feel like you're kind of looked down upon? Yeah. And, you know, for me, I have the privilege of, you know, having having family members who speak Arabic and I can know a little bit of Arabic. So I can pinpoint when someone's saying something, you know, offensive in Arabic, you know, but not everyone else can, not every black person, not every black person can do that. So like, you know, I do feel like some people are like, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're new to this. Like you're new to the game. You don't know. But I'm like, I know a few at that Quran. Like I know, like I am, I'm pretty well versed. Like you, if you only had known, like I actually know a lot. So it is definitely like, it's kind of like you're invading, like this is our religion type of thing. And it's like, Allah made the religion for all of mankind. Like this is not exclusively for you. And, um, you know, that just kind of, it hurts too. Like, you know, like to see that people have that mindset. You're absolutely, yeah, that's so true. And it's like, people need to really realize, I think we become so desensitized to things, but you're, you wear your identities very visibly. Like there's no running away from the fact that you're black. There's no running away from the fact that you're a woman or the fact that you're Muslim. It's very evident just by taking one sight. Yeah. Yes. By taking one look at you, like Zaina, like you said earlier, like you and I can blend in anywhere. I would never want to, but I'm just saying yeah, you can yeah. blend in and people wouldn't know. But how did like, does that ever take a toll on you? Like, do you ever feel like damn like today i just don't want to deal with people and their stares and just being like the ask google but what's really you're like the muslim like that everybody expects you to know everything about a religion or just yeah just racist dealing with racist day day in and day out how do you feel about it yeah i definitely i feel like even if i were to take off my hijab like 
I would still be visibly black. Like I have curly, you know, hair. So I would still be the black woman with curly hair with people asking, you know, you know, about my hair or asking to touch my hair. And I know you guys, I know you guys saw that, um, that show Rami, the episode when the mom, she like comments on the black woman's hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and like, she didn't realize how offensive that was, but I'm like, so you know, glad that he happened. put that part in. Yeah. I'm really tired of him. I, I'm glad. In. Wait, are you trying to say, uh, Shaymet, that you were offended that he did that? Or are you grateful no, that he... No, 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 no. Like, I, like, for him to do that, like, it shows, like, that people do this all the time and they don't realize how offensive they could be. And, like, that happens all the time to black women. All of the time. And, you know, like... It's either that or you might not get the job because people don't like the way you look and the way that your hair is and stuff like that. Like, you know, so it's like it's an ongoing struggle. Like, so for me, like, you know, I'm light skinned, so I could pass, you know, if I, if I um, you know, flatten my hair like I could I could really pass as mixed and people would love me. But like there are people who deal with struggles worse than I do. And like I'm just kind of like using my voice to say that, like, this could happen like to anyone, like me being black, yeah, me taking off my hijab, it might not be the worst thing, but I will still have those people who say like, oh wow, why is your hair so kinky curly? Like, you know, stuff like that. I don't know if this is like completely off topic, but I have um, a former coworker who went to a different station and when she was working with us, she had always like done her hair like blow dried, you know, very whatever. And the station she works at now let her wear her braids um, on TV as she was anchoring. And it was a big deal. And I was just so happy that she was able to do that and not like conform to like, you know, the standard, you know, industry definition of what beauty and what, uh, what a newscaster look at. Yeah. looks like. So I feel like, you know, and the fact that they did include that in the show, I think is a good point because a lot of people, like you said, won't realize that it is offensive. And maybe by watching the show and watching that one part of it would understand how it could be perceived as like, you're telling me that my natural hair isn't beauty. And that is yeah. so true. When you say it, like a, yeah. a simple statement like that, Zena, just like my natural beauty is not enough for you. Yeah. That's so sad. Like, what does that say to young girls? Like, I'm glad you met. You're a really strong woman, and this stuff doesn't really. I mean, to it's a point, it might yeah. it might affect you. Yeah. Like, there's only so much strength that you can carry until to the point. Sometimes it does break you down, and you're just tired. And that's why I asked that question. Like, no matter what identity you try to peel off, there's still another identity that people have a remark to say about or something to say about. So there's just like no running away from it at right. all and i i that's why i enjoyed the rami show because i was like when i seen that i was like whoa but then i was like that's not the first time i've ever heard no. somebody of like a mom like that age group saying something like that about a black woman and her hair yeah, like i mean not to compare our struggle with yours but like even sometimes we're like i don't have my hair blow dried and it's like naturally wavy it's like oh shoot maybe i need to blow dry my hair before i go to this party or you yeah. know what i mean so i feel like it's prevalent in a lot of communities but so Shayma, everybody loves you. Clearly, we already know that. Yeah. So as soon as we ask, like, does anybody have questions for you? Because we like to do this um, segment where it's called the Unsweeteners Takeover. So we ask our listeners to ask our future guest speaker like a question that they want to have answered just to get to know you a little bit better. So one of the questions that we have is from um, at Zakia Tenvir. I hope I'm saying that right. She basically was asking, how do we approach black Muslim women in our community and in our masjids without making it seem like we are doing them a favor or we're pitying them 
before you answer that i just want to be like real because in ramadan and one tarawih prayer there was a black muslim woman sitting by herself on the wall and it's weighing heavy on my conscience that i didn't approach her because a part of me was like let me approach her let me be a friend for her let me be a familiar face when she comes to tarawih tomorrow but then a part of me is like what if she takes this the wrong way and like girl i don't need you to save me like let me do my prayer in peace i'm good i don't need anybody so how for you i know this is probably your own personal opinion you're not speaking for all black muslim women in the masjids but how would you like to be approached if you were the only one in that masjid so honestly like for starters like giving to them like i've been to masjids where people would do rounds and just kind of like go to everyone like and just kind of like give salams to everyone and hug everyone and like shake their hands something like that and i feel like that kind of makes you feel a little bit more welcome because like you got a salam from someone individually or like even like you coming into the to the masala and like you know giving salam and then someone is responding you know and that can open up a conversation right there so like it wouldn't feel like okay you're like you're running for me to like save me because you're talking to me like I'm a human being like not just kind of ignoring that I'm here um and I feel like that's for everyone it's kind of like not ignoring everyone in the masala because I feel like a lot of people just kind of like go to pray and ignore that everyone else is there and I feel like if you just and I know it's not like a place where you would want to like have a conversation because you gotta like listen to the khutbah or like you gotta pray and stuff like that so it's like it's a little different but like just kind of having a simple conversation could open up you know, a door for so much. So one little salam could just open up a door for everything else. I think that's, that's, that's so that was basic. Yeah. I was overthinking it. All I had to say was like, just smile at her. I'm like, hi. And if she wants to answer me back, we could have started a conversation. I just didn't want to come off wrong, but I think we seriously overthink the simplest things. And we could have like started a whole conversation and everything would have been fine. So that's why it's just like, I don't know, I kept thinking about it literally to this day. I was like, damn, I should have said something. I should have said something. We also have another question for you. Yes, this question is from Hannah. She says, I deal with racism at my mosque Saturday school. I am the only black kid in my Quran class, and sometimes the students will make remarks about my skin color. Other times, it's the teachers who say things I don't think they realize is hurtful. What can I do to make it stop? Wow, the teachers too? Okay, so like for this one, I would definitely just go to the imam, like the higher ups, because like if the teachers are involved, because if that's the person I would have said to go to, like talk to the teachers and then like see if they can help. But like if the teachers are also saying things that are hurtful, then you should probably go to the imam because like, you know, just kind of going to the imam and just kind of like having it an open forum or like just kind of speaking like, in general and not like letting it know that letting it be known that it's you like if you don't feel like you want to like kind of be the center of attention just kind of just put it out there that you know people are saying these things people are being you know racist and rude um just because like there should be zero tolerance for racism in in the message like there should be there should never be a time where you feel uncomfortable or like you feel like left out or just like weird because of like who you are like that's nothing that you can change so I feel like going to the imam and then like just like hoping that like he could help you out with it because I feel like he's the only one in the in the masjid because even the aunties will tell you like oh just go pray for them and stuff like that like no go to the imam and talk to him and see what he can do that follow-up question that would be like 
what if these teachers don't realize they're racist you know what i, I mean i don't think they do i don't think okay maybe like not they for all make of them comments like about the hair and they don't realize that it's offensive that's what i was gonna say they can make comments about the hair or certain things um i don't want to say that not everybody is ill-intended because some people do purposefully right, say racist things right, but you know what that's a great point shame about like approaching the imam and letting him handle it but i also think like even in my job like when you work for like a major company or something like that we expect them to hold like a diversity or diverse i don't know how to say it, diversity or diversity 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 yeah. <laughs> a diversity workshop i always like stress now the wrong like syllable myself. i know i stress the wrong syllable but like they hold diversity workshops to make everybody feel included because it's corporate america and you know how it is and you know what most people are that work there but why don't we have that in our own communities i want to learn more about south asians i want to yeah. learn more about converts i want to learn more about black muslims i think we need to like start that conversation conversation and maybe hold these little workshops to learn more about each other instead of like assuming oh we're all muslim we're the same no there's absolutely like rarely anything that are yeah. the same i mean us. just because we share the same religion doesn't yeah. mean our struggles have to be the same because they're not absolutely that was a great point thank you shay matt for that answer before we end this we always like to ask our speaker our guest to just leave our listeners with one piece of advice just to how to even like navigate this world with your identity so visible and how you handle it with such grace and i think you you know how to just approach certain situations like the racist rally and whatnot what piece of advice would you leave for our listeners in regards to that Honestly, for me, I would just say like focus on self-love and self-worth because within that you can gain the strength to be unapologetic um, and whatever your identities are. So for me, like, you know, having self-love and self-worth, I know that I'm worth it. So I know that like I can, you know, continue my life as a black Muslim woman without like having to worry about what other people have to say about me. So it always it always goes back to self-love and self-worth. Wow. Thank you. That That's great. Yeah. I think anybody can take that piece of advice and honestly run with it and learn a lot from that. It's like just starting with yourself first. And I'm always like an advocate for loving yourself first and loving others second, because when you love yourself, you kind of like set this tone, like this is how I want to be treated and I'm not going to settle for anything less in regards to racist or just people in your community or friends or family, just anybody in general that you come across. Thank you again, Shay Matt, for coming on here, taking the time to share your story because I don't know about you, Zayn, I learned so much from her. I did too. I feel like we as a community need to know more about this and need to learn more about each other. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome back to our unfiltered afterthoughts. Zaina, take it away. Something I hope people take away from this episode is how to deal with negative situations in a positive way. Just because you're dealing with something that could be um, taken offensively or used, you know, to make you kind of like stir the pot, make you angry, doesn't mean that you have to give in that same energy. You're absolutely right because you guys, I see protests, I go to protests and like anti-Muslim protests and whatnot and I am not proud of the way that sometimes I react because sometimes you just get so angry and you're just not understanding why these people are so hateful towards you but it makes you kind of react in a negative way and guess what? I go home feeling more negative. So 
it's this double negative thing that happens right. and it's very hard to adjust to it. But if I were to go back to that point and react to them in a positive way, just like Shay Matt did, you create this ripple effect and you kind of show them that like, no, you're wrong about what Muslims are and how they are. Exactly. Because they want, they want you to feed into this negative stereotype that they have painted in their head of you. And when you do, it's like, yes, all Muslim are evil. All Muslims are terrorists. They're exactly how we you know, think they are. Like you're proving their point, but it's kind of like embarrassing because their point is not even factual. So exactly. you're proving this false narrative of you when you do react in a, in a negative manner. But I also found it interesting how much Shay Matt taught us about just black Muslim women and just black Muslims in our community in general. Yeah, and something that I found out is um, a lot of us are accidentally racist. And it's crazy because we talk about how as Muslims we deal with racism, but within our own community, we're being racist. We always say this and it's like, we talk about it, we talk about it, but what are we doing about it? Like even just the simple fact that not all Muslims speak Arabic and in our messages, it's either Arabic or English. I think it would be very interesting and helpful to create these workshops and seminars in different languages and have somebody yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it's something that I never even thought of. Like I always know going to the the mosque that it's going to be in Arabic and I just I'm like, yeah, that's just how it is. But no, it's it shouldn't be like that because we do have, you know, um Hispanic Muslims and we do have Chinese Muslims and we have, you know, American Muslims that, you know, don't speak these languages that we just assume that they know and they don't need to learn these languages just to conform to what we are, you know, putting out there. We also have to extend ourselves in uncomfortable situations, not in uncomfortable situations, but sometimes we like to be in our little bubble and we think that we, you know, we're posting this snap and that snap and now we're woke and we're helping the black people in our community. But really, like I over the weekend went to the wing and they were holding this lecture and it was an amazing lecture and it was two black women talking about trauma from their point of view. And somebody years ago, the old me from years ago, would I have went to this workshop? No, I probably wouldn't have. But I went this time around and I learned so much. Like you think that you're trying to be an ally, but what are you doing other than just posting online? I think you need to be present, like physically present in these situations and in these workshops that are being held. And what's interesting to me they were so welcoming like it was a whole like it was a lot it was all black women a majority of them were black women but then there was me that were like the others but they made us feel so welcome why don't we do that when they come to our masjids right and i think that these women were probably so happy that you were there because they're showing their side of the story and they're showing you what you can do to step in and help if you witness something going on like that and and um, so I do think that it's good to have, like you were saying, these workshops that we can teach people how to react in certain situations and how to come together as a community. You're absolutely right. I just think there's just so much learning that we have to do, so much learning and unlearning that we have to do. And I think people like Shay Matt are amazing women within our community that we need to learn a lot from. And just not to just dismiss their stories because we've heard it before. It says a lot when you keep hearing the story, the same stories over and over again, that means something isn't being done. And it's crazy that like we as Muslims and in the Muslim community have to even talk about this because we've been on the other side of racism and we deal with it every single day. And I don't think we're going to ever stop having to deal with it. So it's just crazy that this is something that needs to be addressed. We have to heal from within our community. Like we can't expect these Westerners to treat us with respect if we don't even treat 
our own Muslims with with respect within our community. Yeah, that's sh- so, so so true. It, it starts with us before we um, are being disappointed with the others and not treating us with respect and portraying us in a negative light because I think we're so sometimes not all of us are very uneducated about the black Muslims in our community. Like for instance, Shay Matt, like you would assume right off the bat if you're ignorant that oh she must be Somalian or she's from Sudan or whatnot. No, she's just. An American yeah. with parents who converted to Islam, and that's what she is. You yeah. know what I mean? So I always want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Sometimes they're very loaded, very heavy, but I think these conversations really need to happen. As always, we appreciate you guys. And I know I say this, and I it might get old, but we really do. We yeah, really appreciate we them because we're doing this not just to hear ourselves talk, but more so just to stir up a conversation with everybody else. We definitely want this circle to be much, much bigger than it already is. And as always, like we love when you guys subscribe to us. We absolutely love it when you guys share us with your family and friends. And we love the reviews. And we, we love, love the feedback. Five stars. Yes, too. we definitely <laughs> love the five stars. And we love the feedback in our DMs. We definitely take every you know every comment comment seriously because we want this to kind of cater to you guys this is all about our community and just creating a tool to get to know each other better so thank you so much for listening and inshallah we catch you guys in our next episode bye